and we're live. everyone welcome to the officially named podcast now black and blue in review the game date is january 2nd 2023 once again scotty smalls along with the one and only loco pops so we got a name for it we've got a nice little logo now looking pretty looking official so I think we're I think we're ready to get this thing started and man there were some big time moves in this last month of play aka one week but I guess I mean we have to start with the goat Mike Trout on the move again staying in the Platinum League going to San Diego now what are your initial thoughts there I mean as someone who shipped Mike out about not maybe about a month into the season. It's like, well, it's a little disappointing to see him on the move, but he also then got re-signed by San Diego. So I guess that's good, but it's a little like, okay. I mean, Flagstaff was definitely struggling a little bit in terms of a farm. Um, both prospects, both big name prospects that he got in that are top 100 prospects. So definitely retooling the farm a little bit for him there. So those guys will make an appearance at some point. Yeah. And he's coming off a a disappointing season flagstaff that is after making the playoffs and winning the division three years in a row and having 90 plus win teams. I mean, had a hundred win team two years, the two years prior to 2022, but uh, looking at the, uh, the payroll and the balance, that cash balance, he's in debt right now. So probably a, Probably wasn't a contract. He was looking to to hang on there. Yeah, forty million is not a small amount of money. No, no. And then also shipping off some of the Clayton Kershaw contract. San Diego's picking up twenty percent of that contract, so a little bit more money shed there for Flagstaff, and then gets, you know, like you were saying, pretty good return there, um, and. I think it seems like it's a, a good deal both ways. Like the elephants, they're on a revenge tour after kind of a disappointing 2022 season. And they still hold on to their number one overall prospect. So, you know, you, you ship off, like you said, a couple of top 100 guys in Bitsko and Whitaker, but you know, you hang on to your top guys. So that's good, especially in a deal for Mike Trout. So that's a, it's, it ends up, it looks like a, like it's trout is finally there to stay in San Diego, probably going to ride out that contract. Um, knowing Baba, I don't think he has any intentions of, uh, of kind of shipping off trout. That makes sense. I mean, I know that like I was struggling last season when I moved him and I didn't expect to be competing again. Jeff won 130 games and that was, Kind of unbelievable. But no, I'm looking at what Baba signed him for. I mean, this year is going to be the most 
expensive for him. So six years at 35 million each over the next six after 2023. It's like, that seems like a good deal. I would expect him probably to win at least one more MVP. So he will get a million dollar bonus from that at some point, but not definitely a good deal. And it's weird seeing him shifted into left field, but that's definitely where he's going to be stronger now and still probably be one of the best players in the platinum league. So have fun dealing with that, I guess. Yeah. I might have to see him a little more often. Um, but you know, San Diego trying to bounce back, especially after a uh, San Mateo is making a a resurgence in the in the Tom C Tom Seaver division, excuse me. And so San Diego is looking like the heavy favorite. Now they get a little bit of uh, support there on offense, so it should be interesting to see what how that shakes out between the two California teams in the Tom Seaver division. Yep, for sure. All right, um, the Jesters signing Andrew Miller, a, another closer in a closer-filled bullpen already. He had a, a fun little graphic that he put out. He has four closers on his team, signing Andrew Miller to a three-year, $45 million deal, and it's a step-down deal. So it actually looks like it's a pretty good deal for both parties, both parties being Miller and the Jesters. Guaranteed $17.5 million in year one. Years two and three are both $2.5 million less than the year before. So 15 in year two, 12.5 in year three. But both of those are team options. So it's a, a little bit gives the Las Vegas team a little bit of flexibility there with Miller. He is 37 years old, but he's been pretty consistent. Otherwise, there's a little bit of a jump in that walks per nine, but consistent he his really only big injury was missing a month in 2021 with a sprained elbow so there's there's not a whole lot of injury risk right now but once again 37 year old pitcher it's uh it's it's always a toss-up there when you get into that uh upper echelon of age oh for sure again yeah and he's his graphic with four closers again had Zach Britton, Kenley Jansen, Andrew Miller, and David Robertson. Britton and Kenley Jansen are both 35. Miller and Robertson are both 37. So, yes, his bullpen ERA was seventh last year in the Diamond League, but his starter's ERA was eighth. So, you would think that's like, well, that leaves something to be kind of desired there. So, and there were a couple of very strong starting pitching free agents out there, but he did not bid really for either of them, it looked like, and instead signed Jansen to an extension, signed Miller. So jingle's going to jingle, I guess, but bullpen, I mean, again, 20% of your innings for almost half of his payroll right now is definitely interesting. I wonder if it has anything to do with, you know, you've got a, a couple younger guys on that starting staff between Bueller, who's still a 62-63, so a little bit of room for improvement, um, although all of his ratings are kind of maxed out. Um, and he's got a fragile injury proneness, but uh, Forrest Whitley uh, apparently has a changeup in the, in the works, and that slider he's still working on. Um, so if he can – that changeup can progress – 
Maybe he's hoping for a little bit better year out of Whitley. Maybe a bit of a bounce back year after a uh, a rough 2022. But you know, it's in that division. It's almost like you kind of have to either have to go full offense or full hardcore pitching, just because you're going to face uh, Estes Park. Yeah. However many sure. times in a season. Um, so he's maybe hoping for a little bit of bounce back out of that rotation there. Uh, pretty decent offense right now. Interested to see if he signs any uh, any guys to help bolster the offense a little bit. I mean, it's kind of all centered around Dominic Smith, who had a really good year, 322, 28 homers, 116 RBIs. So you kind of just have to build out around him. Him and Hap are kind of the uh, the heart of that lineup and make the offensive wheels turn. But just looking down his Diamond League rankings, kind of middle of the road, seventh, sixth, um, and just about everything. So it's uh, – it's right there. It's kind of it's kind of teetering on that fence, I'd say. Just uh, one thing, two or three things go right, and you're looking at a, a 90-win team. But at the same time, those same two or three things going wrong, and you're finishing last in the division again. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's got a couple of young starters. I mean, he's got both Andrew Moore, Justice Sheffield. I mean, Moore is not yet up in the – SCF, and I don't know if he actually will be. I'm surprised. Why are you paying him, Jingles? He's a 38, 39, 28-year-old, and you're paying him a major league contract. But no, Justice Sheffield should be definitely, hopefully contributing a little bit at the back end of that rotation. Yeah, Forrest Whitley is definitely a young stud to be keeping an eye on. I'm a little surprised he hasn't extended him yet, Jingles. This is me checking on you to make sure you're doing okay. <laughs> but lots of opportunities there, too bring some folks in, but I think he's probably got a little bit of payroll to still work with. Um, he won't bring in probably anybody like Judge, but he could probably grab somebody out there like 6 to $10 million range to bring in and hopefully bolster the offense a little bit. So I think kind of wait and see how that all goes. Yeah, even like a uh, maybe a lefty to, to just kind of – um, oh, why can't I think of the platoon? There it is. Kind of platoon with, with someone on that roster or, or a righty. Just Probably finding, a righty. He's got three right-handed bats. Yeah, and maybe bringing in some sort of right-handed platoon to support someone. The one that stands out stands out is Durius Carrasco at second base. Pretty uh, pretty good against righties, but against lefties, he's uh, struggling. Just a, a below average hitter against lefties. I mean, has great speed and good in the infield, but if if you're looking for a little bit of offensive power, that could be a place to to make that happen. And then uh, what's it? Sammy Siani. So he just extended. Just extended. And half they, of 
half of a hundred days. In, yeah, has twenty five days of major yeah. league service. Four plate appearances. Yep, and uh, has yet to record a major league hit. Is what it looks like. Those are the people you want to extend. Yeah, that's like the uh, in real life Chicago White Sox. Doing yep, stuff yeah, he like was that. he was tweeting a little bit about that, but great in the okay. outfield. Um, definitely a stud on defense. Uh, looking like he could be a Gold Glover there, in in left or center field, really. And then uh, could be could be a decent leadoff bat, or if you're using him in that nine spot like he has him now, that a uh, second leadoff guy when you get down to the bottom of the order after you're through that first rotation, you have the kind of two leadoff guy approach putting him there at the bottom of the order. So keeping an eye on him, going to be looking like he's making his FCF debut in 2023. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully he's not too good yet. I'd like to have a good run at the division. So (laughs) back off, Jingles. Well, speaking of the division, Mr. Red, Reed, I don't know, we'll we'll find out later, but inking Corey Kluber and – this was this rundown was made before Wednesday night sim when the Orlando Jews also signed Chris Sale. But let's talk Kluber first. Five years, almost $140 million, making $29 million in year one and two. Year three, 27-8. Year four, 27-3. Year five, 26-5. But it's a vesting option saying he has to get 160 innings pitched in that fourth year of that contract. And then a couple of bonuses for Cy Young in an all-star game. I mean, all things considered, I, I really think he's, he's getting paid what he's worth. Um, while he is a little bit on the older side, uh, five-year contract for a guy like Kluber is not, it's not bad. I mean, there's, there's definitely worse people you can sign for that kind of money. He's, going to be turning 37 during the season, um, but really has been, besides last year, has been pretty consistent. Um, well, he was even pretty consistent last year. He was just had a rough time in Helsingborg. No, no, definitely. I think he's yeah, still 3.7 war overall of 2022. Um, and what both 2021, 2022, he... He put up, I mean, every season so far, he's hit 160 innings. So unless he really loses some durability or just doesn't get played as much, I would expect him to probably be there for all five years. Unless, I mean, trade withstanding. But definitely not super excited to have to face him probably two or three times throughout the year. That's not going to be great. But, yeah, I mean, this is a quality pickup for Orlando. and definitely kind of bolsters a part of the team that I think was fine last year. Yeah, six in the Diamond League, so that's right in the middle. So definitely can bump that up a little bit there. And then, yeah, you're adding Sale as well. But Kluber, I think, yeah, he's probably getting paid what he's worth. Um, And the fact that he signed as early as he did may be indicative of the fact that not many other people bid on him, which... Again, age, demand, 
aging starting pitchers have not done well so far in this league. So they have not. No, they've fallen off pretty quickly, which is a uh, probably it definitely happens. Yeah. So three years younger is the lefty Chris Sale also signed a big contract with Orlando. Um, making $28.5 million in 23, 24, 25. Then he has player options to make $30.5 million in years four and five, both player options. And then MVP bonuses of $5 million, Cy Young bonus of $3 million, All-Star Game bonus $350,000. And, I mean, it's kind of like the same story as, as Corey Kluber. You know, he's been – Consistently getting, I mean, besides last season with LA, uh, sales hit 200 innings, 210 innings plus since 2018. Um, the ERA plus uh, was down below 110 for the first time since 2018. Um, home runs were up to 1.6, but that's where they were in 2018 when he led the league in strikeouts uh walks were up that's pretty much the biggest thing is that walks went up double walks per nine went from 1.1 to 2.2 but he still has good control so i don't know where that came from he's rated as a 75 control so not not sure what was what was going on there in la um but it's one of those guys like he looks consistent he looks like he could be he could have a kind of bounce back and just show that 2022 was an outlier and he'll be good to go in 2023 to get back to where he was yeah again had a forearm injury kind of like the first week of september that's why he missed the end of the season there and probably still would have gotten above 200 innings if not for that yeah looking at his game logs like he's still got Multiple outings there. He's got zero or one walk. And then a lot more where it's like three. There's a couple of fours. It's like, ooh. But yeah, yet they're saying his control is fine. So maybe it was something just developing. Um, I mean, he had a stretch in May. Now even, okay, like if you go from April through the end of June, he had, okay. The third, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. So sixteen starts from April third to June twenty second. And one, two, three of them were where he threw under ninety pitches, or under a hundred pitches. So probably just a little bit of built up abuse uh, throughout the season there that probably contributed a little bit to it um definitely a possibility there in terms of how he performed later on uh yeah i mean his walks per nine started out pretty decent but then yeah may and june 2.6 2.9 july was 2.4 it looked like he was trying to rebound in august and then his injury in september didn't help but oh yeah i mean he's still rated as injury prone as normal so nothing kind of out of the ordinary but maybe orlando can trade him sooner because i don't want to face him he's a lefty kluber's, <laughs> kluber's a righty right so that's double barrel action coming into 
his starting rotation with. And again, it's a lot of money, but they're going to pitch probably about as many innings, if not more than what the four closers are going to do for the Jesters. So (laughs) value somewhere. And, and I think you're onto something with that, that built up abuse because he was four and a third inning short of getting to 200 innings pitched and was, had four starts was only at 30 starts and he got to 233 in 2021 on 34 starts. So um, definitely a workhorse on that uh, LA pilots team. And it's a team that had the 10th, had the 10th best uh, bullpen. So it wasn't getting a lot of support oh, there. Gosh, no, and no, so no. when you have your leading guy as Chris Sale, you probably just, Hey, we're going to, we're going to leave him in there because if, if, especially if we have a lead right now, we don't want to have to bring in the bullpen. So that's could definitely be, uh, part of it. And then, like you said, forearm injury at the end of the year after just throwing long, long games. So maybe get a little support from that Orlando offense, take a little bit of uh, pressure off of sale and the juice having, you know, an average bullpen, but even average is going to be better than what he had in LA. Oh my gosh. Well, and again, like I'm scrolling through his arm. I'm very scared of his pitching now. Again, his real leading man in his pitching staff is Adrian Morahone, who just won Cy Young and should have won Rookie of the Year as well. So then you're adding Corey Kluber and Chris Sale to that. So there's three very, very good pitchers. And then his bullpen is Craig Kimbrell, Corey Kluber, Jared Miller. I mean, and Luis Preto is still is also very, very good. There is a lot of green out there. I mean, Jacio de la Cruz is a young reliever as well, only 25. Yeah, I don't go away. Just go away. Yeah. Take the bad man away. <laughs> um, yeah, this is going to be a very good team. Oh, man, I just got a little triggered there. Yeah. Saw Liam Norris's name, and now I see he's got a torn UCL after he poached him in the expansion draft. Because I thought people were going to be going. Uh, thought they were going to be going more MLB players early, and he was next on the list to be protected, and that was a theme for me in the expansion draft. But we'll talk a little bit more about that right now. Did you have any? big or surprising or puzzling rule five draftees. It didn't, it wasn't that exciting. Like it, no one really yeah. forgot to, no one forgot to protect uh, Mike Trout or. Yeah, it was very straightforward. I mean, I'll pull up the trend. I think there are what, there are like four or five picks total. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot. Um, the only one I kind of flagged is because he was someone that, that I had tried to get, uh, in the rule five draft, but Sicily scooped him up was uh, DJ Jefferson um, coming from Boston. He is listed as a 30 57, but really the only thing that's developing is his stuff. And that stuff I think is a little skewed just because he's got, he's working on a changeup. So the changeup is 
a little bit lagging behind the fastball and the curveball, which are already at 60 and 65 respectively. The movement's at 60, control's at 50, stamina's 55. Like this is a guy who is pretty much ready to go in the majors and could be a good back end of your rotation to let him develop there. Um, was really the only guy I, uh, I kind of saw as a, as a, a good pickup. The other ones might were looked more like uh, kind of filler players and, you know, just, Hey, I'm going to use this guy as a, uh, as a backup to someone already established on a team. Um, but DJ Jefferson looks like he could be, uh, a, a pretty decent contributor, um, even though he's never played above double A. Yeah, and even so, it was just like a half season. So I think see how he does. Um, he might get shelled a little bit this first season. So is it a, well, you're up here. You might have some spot starts or some mop-up duty from the bullpen and then see how it goes and maybe go back to AAA for half a year after this to finally develop a little bit more. Yeah, his 30-57, despite the fact he's got pretty healthy-looking ratings outside of his stuff, mm-hmm. was surprising. But, yeah, half a season double-A that went all right. I think I would be a little hesitant to call him up quite yet. But, yeah, a little surprised he was unprotected. But... Yeah, nothing else. I mean, Orlando did pick somebody up, but just a backup catcher probably at best, um, who I guess is probably more offensively strong than defensively. But I guess kind of wait and see what happens there. Right. Yeah, that was really the only person I I kind of flagged as a as a good pickup was DJ Jefferson. And, and when you go to a team like Sicily, they're not looking to compete this year, so he's not kicking anybody really out of a – a starting spot on that Sicily roster. No. Um, I mean, they have a, a lot of guys that are developing in that, in that rotation right now. And Garrett Cole's on that team too. So, you know, if it, if it were like a, it is real life. What are you talking about? Uh, if it were like a real life, you know, having a, a young guy like Jefferson coming up playing his first major league season and having a guy like Garrett Cole on the team, Maybe a lot to learn from a young vet. Yeah, for sure. Never mind, the Juice picked up a couple of different catchers. I guess he was looking for some protection in that case. But yeah, Rule 5, I don't think overall was very exciting. No. Everyone did what they were supposed to. (laughs) Yep. Coming in to the podcast now is Red or Reed. We don't. We're not entirely sure. They're both names are are on that uh, on that profile there in the FCF. So absolutely, both are good. <laughs> both both is good. Why not both? Exactly. Por qué no los dos? Yo no sé. Por qué no? Yo tampoco. <laughs> All right. So we were just talking about big free agent signings and we initially were just going to talk Corey Kluber. And then all of a sudden uh, on Wednesday, Sim, you also signed Chris sale. So tell us a little bit about what it was like landing both Kluber and Chris sale. Yeah, it was one of those things where I did not expect to get more than one. I knew 
one was going to be coming in, I was pretty much willing to, to keep bumping up the price until they did. But for some reason, uh, Kluber's asking price dropped off a good amount right before he signed and sale was still out there. No major players. So I lowballed him an offer. He sat on it for a couple of weeks and eventually decided apparently no one else has come and let's do it. So you and kind I of excited anybody else. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna, you're, it's going to be a little bit of uh, animosity coming from one side of the, uh, of the host table here, just with uh, <laughs> having a division rival as one of the hosts. Yeah. I figured that may be the case. I prepped myself for that. That's I'm ready. <laughs> That's okay. I, th- I think I still got the, the league support being the underdog against the yeah, what, 134 win team. You need to stop. But, yep. So, are you hoping to kind of build? I mean, you had a solid year last year. You have to really look at the, at the full context of it. You were in the same division, as you were saying, as a team that won 130 games. Going to be tough. And, you know, you beat that team to, to finish out the year. You won out against Estes Park, finished – above 500 in your second year in the league. So is that kind of the the goal this year is just trying to build off of what you had coming out of 2022? Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually very, very surprised with uh, this past season. I built my team from uh, basically from the expansion draft on, on the idea that I wanted to get young guys that would be cheap so that in a couple of years when the talent sort of balanced out a little and I was able to uh, land some people with money that I'd be able to accrue from not really spending any. Uh, I was looking at basically two uh, years at the very soonest, but I was looking at three to get all the supporting cast guys up to par. And for whatever reason, I had a huge number of them that developed early last season they played out of their minds and it was one of those kind of thoughts I was, I had going into the playoffs where, or obviously didn't make the playoffs, but uh, kind of my thought was, all right, maybe it's here now. I saw a couple of bigger free agents out there and didn't really know how that was going to work out for next season and kind of thought, all right, if my window is planning on starting the next or the following year anyway, if I can land a couple of these pitchers on longer deals, which was very much a a risky move, it would still be roughly the window I was looking at. And I can definitely make moves if needed to uh, keep that window going, shorten it if the whole system kind of blows up on me. But I figured I I waited the, the couple of years of mediocrity. Right. I don't know if 86 wins is really mediocre. I mean, it might be everywhere else, but... True. I, I more meant that I was expecting mediocre. Oh, no, that makes <laughs> tons of sense. And, I mean, how... It's like, again, we've given George so much grief about the Morejon trade. Um, <laughs> how... I mean, did that play into bringing, like, okay, hey, he could... he. He should have won Rookie of the Year. He was obviously the Cy Young winner, but should have won Rookie of the Year as well. Did his development kind of leapfrog the year of development that you expected to have with, enti- with your entire team, or was it more than just the Morahone deal and his 
development that really prompted you to again go after probably the two best starting pitching free agents and make me very worried about finishing somewhere other than second in the division this year. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a combination of uh, Morahone and Ethan Paul actually, who is uh, primed to be starting for me for the next <sighs> six, seven years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so those two were really big improvements that happened very quick that really uh, expedited what I wanted to do. Had those two not developed to the same extent, I would not be as in on free agents right now. I'd be waiting to see, you know, international free agents once that comes uh, in July in the game world. So there's, there's a few things that uh, expedited it, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, More home was a, a huge, huge part of that. And I, my other pitchers were, you know, rated well. They were performing okay. The bullpen was rock solid. And it was, it was definitely a focus of mine to, to get pitching since I was really kind of struggling with that in my minor league system as well. So you talked a little bit about the expansion draft um, and a little bit about that plan, but if you could expand a little bit now that we're, we're two years out, so you can, you can start to reveal some of those behind the scenes secrets that uh, everyone, everyone was holding their cards a little close to the chest there. Um, but that expansion draft plan, what was it and how has it kind of panned out here after two full seasons of it? And you're starting to build off of it with free agents and stuff like you were talking about. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those where I wasn't sure going into it. I didn't have an exact plan. I wanted to wait and see what was available for me. It just so happened to work out that uh, BJ Frake, the the monster that he is becoming, and that development I'm excited for this season since God, he's about halfway through it. <laughs> Same here, that one. Um, along with uh, Shay Langoliers, who I got, I want to say two rounds later. I was going to take him the next round, but somebody uh, jacked another player from Philly. So it kind of worked out that the the idea was to get that into place. And I, I wanted major league players, but I wanted ones that were cheap and that I can control for a while. So I focused a lot on bringing in bullpen guys. Uh, so I had Mike Miner and then um, Mike Soroka that were the the big pitchers that brought in they were around the same level as a lot of the guys left but the contracts were significantly less and from there I thought okay if I can put in at least a couple below average just guys that won't completely get blown up I can rely on a bullpen for a while and a big piece of that was not intentional at all I I gave Craig Kimbrell one of the worst contract offers I could think of and the guy took it so I'm I'm sitting with him for the next couple of years on a dirt cheap deal as well. And he has anchored the bullpen much more than I expected anyone to. Yeah, I'm just now taking a look at that. And that's dumb cheap for a guy like that. It's only Absolutely. And at the time, he was a 79 overall, I think, when I signed him. Uh, and once again, a guy that used to be in Door County – what, what kind of money was he asking for, Pobs, that you wouldn't, couldn't give him $500,000 more a year? I mean, I offered him a qualifying offer, and he rejected it. So <laughs> at that point, it's like, well, okay. Um, 
but yeah, then it took him until February to sign. So I wasn't really looking to bring him back. Um, just was a bit expensive. And I think at that point, yeah, no, I had Hader and I had Tui Valala. So I felt very good about my bullpen. And then Sam went and got hurt at the end of the 2021 season. But it's like, yeah, it was just kind of off my radar once you decided that, yeah, I'm not going to take the 15 million. So go in and taking. Yeah. And with that, you, with two guys like that, that anchors everything. The last thing you want to do is uh, overpay a third guy and really cripple yourself for the rest of the roster. Yeah. Oh, are we still getting shots in at Las Vegas and that $60 million <laughs> of foreclosures? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I understand that one a little bit more just because a lot of those contracts are cheap and for a decent while. The the veteran side I don't really understand, but that is the the Vegas way and whatever works for them as long as they stay over five hundred and don't embarrass us. <laughs> only only he never plans to do that, so <laughs> true, very true. So just as you you've got your two seasons under your belt in the FCS, just how have you how has that FCFs experience been for you? Yeah, it's, it's been great. And it was uh, one of those things I went in knowing, all right, this is probably not going to be something I'm going to be a really high activity in right away. Uh, when I joined the league, I was in the middle of uh, moving across the country, oh, darn. taking care of a lot of other random things where it, the, the timing didn't work out all that well. I was starting a new job where I was going from, working in sports to substitute teaching, which was very, very new to me. It took up a lot of time. Now, as I think people have been able to see the quarantine, I have a lot of time on my hands. So it's a lot more enjoyable just to be able to go back and forth with some of the people in the league that I hadn't really gotten the chance to much before. And it's, it's one of those things I think we can all agree on is that the community in the league is fantastic. I'm I'm going to have to say yes. Just I've been here from from the beginning and just kind of stumbled my way. I like drunkenly stumbled my way into the commissioner's office just by going, uh, "Yeah, I'll do a, I'll run the draft. I'll run the uh, inaugural draft on the Google Doc page." And I, I tricked them into it. They still haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, you it's there's again. Inaugural draft is a story that we can talk about at some point if stuff oh, is yeah. getting slow. But <laughs> yeah, I, I am excited to hear that story just personally for me, just because I haven't gotten a lot of that. I've seen little bits and oh, pieces, gosh. but I'm definitely interested to see a lot of people's strategy. I know uh, the Avengers in particular intrigues me because it's kind of the same strategy, at least from what I understand that I went through in the expansion draft, but it was on a much bigger scale with a lot more risk involved. He he took advantage of some of these uh, kids like me that had no idea, had never played out of the park baseball before. And I was just like, I'm going to pick my favorite players. <laughs> and uh, I got my Anthony Rendon and my Aaron judge. And all of a sudden, like, I was like, why is he picking Juan Soto? Like this is 2018 Juan Soto. He's not even ready yet. And then had a hundred loss year. And then the next year had a hundred win year. So. We, we will definitely talk about that here in the future, and we'll try to get X on here to talk about how he bamboozled a lot of us. Beautiful. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to the 
uh, the idea of getting guys you like. I usually just actively try to avoid it in every single way. I am a very big believer in Moneyball with a, a couple variations. So I hate, absolutely hate with a passion, my occasional tendency to drift toward players that I like or, you know, have in other uh, games that I play, you know, guys that I'm teammates with on the show. It really, really messes with me. Byron Buxton was a big one where looking back, I probably could have gotten a few other outfielders for cheaper, but I love me some Buxton. I'm a Twins fan um, on the, the west side of Wisconsin where it's pretty split 50-50 over here. Oh, it very much is. Where in Wisconsin? Uh, up by Eau Claire. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I mean, that was the, where I was uh, moving back to, so I'm home now, and oh, that's it's good. nice to be back in the area. Cool. Hopefully everything's – it's a little chaotic up there right now, I think. Oh, yeah, but much better place to be than a lot of places. Oh, for sure. Yep. I think, I think Pobs has a question for you. If I'm I mean, not mistaken. Well, just from, so you've got your signings. Can you just not do anything else, please? <laughs> Can you be like Jeff and just take the off season off now? It's the off I mean, season. From here, I'm planning on uh, taking some of the off season off. I will give a little bit of a, a heads up that if you're planning on bidding on some interesting free agents next year, don't. I have DeGrom's contract coming off the books and that, kind of sucked while I had it but for the by the same token that was bringing in Ethan Paul uh bringing in uh Tanner Hook Hook Huck I don't know how you say his name um the dude went yeah yeah. uh he went 12 and 3 for me last year as my fifth starter and was just an absolute rock in that so how I managed to uh eat that contract and still pull away that I have no idea I wasn't expecting to, but it's that's coming off the books next year. I've got a couple other guys who are signed on short-term deals. And if, you know, things really blow up, even by the end of this season, I am one of those flexible people where if it's really going wrong, I'm okay selling and regrouping, coming back into it, where I, I trust my minor system. There's still a lot of guys in there I like, but – it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the finance side goes for me because that is the side that in real life I'm kind of used to more than in the game. So I'm trying to, to get used to that a little bit. No, that makes sense. I'm super excited though. Oh my gosh, there's a fellow. I'm not, I don't live in Wisconsin anymore, but I, I'm from Wisconsin. I mean, that's why I've got a Door County team. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, I noticed uh, all of. Oh yeah, no. Uh, I need to... All the Wisconsin branding and everything. I was like, okay, there's. I'm not alone here. No, yeah, no. It's it, it's a lonely existence at times, but no. I do have to say, I was charmed. Left. Yep. Oh no, I do have to say, uh, I was a little upset that there was a Reno team already in the league because I was living there at the time and was planning on just remaking the Aces, who I was working for at the time of joining and leaving the organization of so that one that one got to me and that was part of the reason actually i wanted to come into the division that was that is what it is now i forget griffey yeah ken griffey jr every once in a while it pops back in my head and then i lose it uh but yeah that and competitiveness was a hundred percent the reason yeah 
Uh, I, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, uh, I picked Reno because I had picked the logo first mm-hmm. and then was like, I'm going to be the rattlers or the rattlers, whatever you want to, I go rattlers. Yeah, that would be, yeah, yeah. That's what goes off in my head. And so I was, I'm thinking, hmm, what's a good city with an R? I like my alliteration. So I was like, first one that popped in my head was, oh, Reno. Yeah, we'll go with the Reno Rattlers. And absolutely. uh, And there aren't a lot of city names that start with R. No, there aren't. And I now have a dog named Reno, too. He's super cute. And I've only driven through the, uh, the city of Reno once on my drive from the East coast to the West coast to move out for a job. So only seen it in passing. As, as someone who lived there, it's fun, but there's not a lot to it. It's, it's one of those blink and you'll miss it kind of cities. It's pretty though. It's very pretty. Yes, definitely. Absolutely agreed there. All right, read slash read. Um, anything else you're just looking forward to? Maybe not just for your team, but just uh, throughout the league in general as we get ready to start this 2023 season. Yeah, uh, keep uh, keep pumping in those offers for Trevino. I like this. <laughs> this is my excitement while I have nothing to do at all. So yeah. keep pumping in free agents. I am stoked to see who comes and lands where and uh, get ready to be shut out consistently next season my offense is already bad and having to face this kind of pitching (laughs) is gonna it's not gonna be fun it's gonna be fun watching you guys duke it out over there in the uh ken griffey division and we'll see what kind of uh roller coaster your the reno rattlers have this season absolutely i'm excited but yeah thank you guys so much and excited to uh stick around and see more of what you guys come up with on the pod all right thanks for joining us we appreciate it absolutely my pleasure awesome thanks first expansion gm on the pod so we just wrapped up with the orlando juices gm and now we're going to go to the hot take so welcome to the stove where the takes are always fire And speaking of Orlando Juice, one of the hottest takes is that Orlando making all these moves this offseason, signing Kluber, signing Sale. They've got Murray home, the reigning Cy Young, and Pobbs will continue to say, I think, until Deserved rookie of the year. Yeah, there it is. The hot take is that they're not making the playoffs this season. So let's break it down. We've got an argument for the hot take and against the hot take. So, Orlando Juice finishing at 86 wins this past season. Not making the playoffs. Big picture, you got to compete with Estes Park. So, and Door County, sure. We'll throw that in there before. I appreciate that. Technically, you finished, according to the standings I'm looking at, your name is first. I don't know if it it's because first. it's alphabetical or how you finish the season. I don't know. So you have Door County, Estes Park, and we'll even throw in Las Vegas. I mean, it very realistically could have had all four teams above 500 in this division 
or at 500. If Las Vegas wins one game against Door County at the end of the season, they finish 81 and 81. Didn't happen, obviously. Kind of skidded into the uh, end of the year there for Las Vegas, but still finished better than the Reno Rattlers and we're in a much more competitive division. So I, I will give respect where respect is uh, earned. So that's, that's the kind of the, the one of the arguments for that hot take is that they're just in a competitive division. You have to go against a team that won 130 games uh, in 2022, they won 118 games in 2021. So, and they didn't really lose anyone. Like it's going to be pretty much the same Estes Park team that you saw last year. Other things that can go wrong. Cluburn Sale, just sign them to big 20 plus, almost, almost $30 million a year in that first, first few years. But they're both, one's 33, the other's 36. They're going to be 37 and 34 pretty much the whole season. Old guys, Pobs, you were saying it earlier, old pitchers have not aged well. Not like fine wine, no. nor like Mm-mm. cheese that's been set outside for a while. Mm-hmm. So if they fall off around midseason or get injured, that could be uh, – a big, big oopsie, not oopsie, but just a big ouchie really. Yeah. That, that could make that hot take come to fruition. Another one that I just wrote down is uh, BJ Frake never reaches full potential and Philly gets the last laugh. I mean, it's possible, but even so it's like, if he doesn't, you still got yeah Ethan Paul. And there's so much, again, like the counter to this all is like, he's got so many things that kind of have to go wrong for it not to happen. Right. At least in terms of his team not performing as well as it could. I think, again, looking at if he doesn't win the vision, it becomes very difficult to make the playoffs because you've got the Warren Spawn, which will probably still be won by Assassin City but Manchester is almost always going to be trying to competing, it seems like. And then the Ricky Henderson division has got two teams in California and Murmansk that are also going to be fighting for the division and possibly the wild card. And again, Murmansk took the wild card last season. So there's a very decent chance that the wild card will be very competitive again this year. So Orlando kind of has to make a run at the division to really kind of cement their case even as just a playoff team in terms of giving themselves a chance because if they're not going to try to take the crown from Estes Park, they are setting themselves up to kind of get battered within the division and lose out on some wins that other teams will be able to get from within theirs. Yeah, I mean, the biggest – the reason why it almost feels like a lukewarm take is just because of that division, which we keep coming back to. Like, this division is brutal. From one to four last year, you have – it's the only division in the league that had teams with 80 wins or more each. Nowhere across the board. 
it gets a little bit close in the Halifax division with the Los Angeles pilots at 72 wins, but that's it. Like that is it. But the Ken Griffey jr. Division, you have teams that are all trying to compete at the exact same time. Everywhere else you look, there's pretty much at least one team that's maybe they're not full on rebuilding, but you know, they're, they're waiting for some guys to develop. But this, I mean, everyone is just about all in in the Ken Griffey division. So that's one thing. Counter argument for it all. I see that very realistically, you have a three-headed monster in that rotation between Kluber and Sale as the season vets and then Morejon, who's coming off the Cy Young year where he very realistically um, should have won that, that rookie of the year. We'll figure out the it'll be it'll be a uh, an asterisk next to that rookie of the year forever, and Pobs will never let anyone forget. No, uh, probably not. That you have a three-headed monster there. Um, this one I just added because I like my rhymes. But Frake rakes, he develops well and becomes a very consistent contributor to that lineup. Um, I mean, last year only had 83 at-bats in the FCF kind of had a slow start in that, in that final 24 games where he hit 181, but he was hitting three. But yeah, look at his triple A. Yeah. He was absolutely demolishing triple A pitching last year. 3.7 war in a hundred games is kind of crazy for a 23 year old, 22 year old mainly and <laughs> getting into it. Yeah. So, Again, yeah, there are so many things that have to go wrong for him to really struggle. Yeah, again, he's got, I mean, he picks up Goldschmidt, picks up the two other pitchers. Yeah. You get yeah. nine games at SS Park. Goldie's going to do probably pretty well there. And you catch the Jesters in a bad run of form pitching wise. Yeah, the offense is going to do just fine there. And his three headed starting rotation plus the bullpen that he has is just going to make fillet sandwiches out of my offense. So, yeah. And, um, and even AJ Wilson, like he is sitting there in lurking in the corner of triple a right on the cusp of being a contributor at the major league level. I think he could, if he if things go right, he could be in that rotation second half of the year after the all-star break. Things would have to go very well, very quickly. But 22 years old, he's already at a 34, 78. He's got average ratings right now. If that if those pitches develop a little bit more, I mean he could you could easily see Wilson in that rotation, which just makes it that much more scary. Um, this is team, while it is a hot take that they're not making the playoffs, a lot would have to go wrong. And even if Estes Park takes, we can call it 15 games, they lose 15 more games than they did last year. We'll give three of them to. Orlando and now you got a, a team that's at least pushing at the wild card 
um, and Murmansk. So it's, I could see it. I can see, I can see where you get that. You make that deduction that they're not making the playoffs, but at the same time, there's so much there. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of meat. Yeah. A lot of meat. Anything else uh, you want to talk about here before we kind of wrap things up for this episode? Uh, I don't really think so. I think, I mean, Rule 5 draft was super uneventful pretty much, which is okay. Um, I and mean, now everyone was doing their job. Yes, that is. And otherwise, I, we're getting into the latter half of the off season. We haven't quite hit preseason yet, but the contract offers are still out there to be made. Again, Trevino has not signed yet. So, and we're getting some bonus sim, bonus sim time. Really hoping people are really getting anxious about this Trevino not signing yet. (laughs) And is getting very anxious about it. Yes, Pops is. And even just looking at this free agent list, there's still a lot of good players out there. I mean, you've got two of the top relievers ratings wise in the games between Tommy Conley and Urias Familia. Gary Sanchez is still out there. Aaron Judge still out there. Miguel Sano still out there. Sano's uh, asking for so much money. Yeah, which whatever you do, you Sano. But there's still there's still a lot of a lot of juicy free agents out there right now. So and none of them should go to the juice. I don't. I, that'd be way too scary if they did. Yeah, I know. Way too scary if they did. So next week. I'm sure that some of those guys will sign. There's, we know there's offers out for Trevino, so I have a feeling that we're going to be talking to someone that has Trevino on their team if they're ready to and just kind of talk about that wild ride that's been providing a lot of entertainment this offseason. Um, but other than that, should be interesting to see what happens. I'm sure all you crazy kids will be trading just like you normally do. The only time trades are quiet in this league is after the, the trade end, deadline. After the trade deadline and before the the end of the season. That's the only time it's quiet. So we'll talk all those transaction talks then. <sighs> Man, this is uh it's been fun. We're already two episodes in. We finally have some branding for it. And should be very interesting going forward, especially when we get into the 2023 season. Um, and, you know, if things start to slow down this offseason, totally cool. Pobs and I are locked and loaded, ready to talk about the inaugural draft. We can have which, story time. It'll be great. Yeah, that'll be like a four-hour podcast. Oh, man, I, have, I mean, <laughs> just my experience. I mean, again, I was – no, I wasn't involved with running it. I think I had – bowed out i need to go back and look what at everything but oh man what i was doing while the draft was going oh yeah it's there's so much to talk about it's this is one big tease but it's going to be great it'll it'll be a lot of fun so after trevino signs after you sign some of these other big free agents that we can talk about and things start to slow down then and only then we can start talking about that. Maybe that's a spring training thing. And then yeah, we can just make a bunch of hot takes out of 
how people are doing in spring training and just yep. make wild, wild predictions. But I think that wraps it up for the I black and so. blue in review week two. Look at all that rhyming. Love it when it, love it when a plan comes together like that. Well, I'm Scotty Smalls. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week, Scotty. Talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. And if you guys have any suggestions, feel free to throw those our way. We are open to any suggestions y'all have. We're ready to make this as fun as it can be and just get any of those stuff you guys want in there. That's what we're all about. It's a podcast for the people. Stay safe, everyone. Wash your hands. <laughs>